When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the first thing I'm going to start off with saying is thank you for joining us on the program. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You grew up in Calgary. What was that like? And uh, are you a Flames fan? Actually, I grew up in a small southern Alberta town called Brooks, Alberta. It's about uh, an hour and a half drive southeast of Calgary, closer to Medicine Hat. And growing up there was a very unique situation because it was a small town of, uh, at the time when I was there, just 10,000 people and there's very few visible minorities. You know, what made it unique was that I was a kid who, you know, was wearing a turban and uh, I ate different food at home, spoke a different language at home, listened to different music with my family and a lot of differences, more differences almost than there were commonalities amongst my classmates. But I learned early on that it was hockey that was uh, a great icebreaker for me to create friendships and to create a rapport with my classmates and my teachers. And utilizing hockey, my passion for hockey helped me to create that bond with uh, people who I might not have been friends with. And it totally changed that experience for me in that small town. Had it not been for hockey, I think I would have had a much different uh, experience growing up there. Okay, so you just mentioned this hockey is an icebreaker. So did they treat you a little bit differently? Were they curious about the turban and like the certain foods that you ate or were they kind of accepting to it? I think the questions were something I dealt with on a daily basis. I mean, people were very curious about the differences uh, such as the turban or uh, we wear as practicing Sikhs, we wear a steel bracelet on our um, on our wrist to uh, remember the creator at all times. Just little subtle things like that. There was always questions. You know, I was my parents taught me to always you know, to not be confrontational and and, and to be uh, you know look at it as an opportunity to teach someone about yourself and what what our heritage was. And for me, being a hockey fan, growing up in a family where my older siblings were already hockey fans and we were watching it a lot, and I was uh, kind of immersed in in hockey. From a very young age, like a lot of my toys and and a lot of my um, clothes were hockey related, you know, so I was the kid that in the classroom pictures, um, I'm wearing the Gretzky sweater or and that kind of thing. And I think that was it just made it fun for people. And, And I noticed that it was easier to create friends amongst my classmates when it when it had to do with hockey. When I reflect back on it now, I can see that there's so many people who I was friends with that was through hockey, and I don't know how it would have been um, had I not been such a big fan. You mentioned on George Dropolopoulos that your great-grandfather was one of the first 100 Sikhs to come to Canada. Do you have stories from your great-grandfather and that kind of journey? 
Yeah, so it was obviously a time where it was a big risk to take uh, spending that many months on a ship to to even make it here to Canada. And when he, well, the stories that I've been passed down are, and, and you can even gather from looking at historically what was being said by the prime ministers of that time, that it wasn't a very welcoming place. And it's it's unbelievable to think the night and day difference that that it is in Canada from then until now. It, it, it seems like a completely different place now that we have these sorts of opportunities that a person like myself is able to be on television, on mainstream, um, and, and looking the way I do. But when he came here to Canada, uh, it wasn't very welcoming. The policies uh, that were being spoken uh, about in the federal parliament were about a white Canada and and uh, trying to stop any sort of newcomers to be able to come. Even though uh, India being a uh, British uh, colony uh, at the time, you know, they were part of the Commonwealth. So according to those rules, you, sh- you should have been able to go to different countries under the British Empire. So that was the whole idea of the opportunity that people like my great-grandfather saw. The other thing is like he was... An interesting story that I've been told is that he he was a vegetarian, and at that time, the only vegetable available here was potatoes. So apparently, he was sick and tired of potatoes. He worked on the railroads and and all, a bunch of things in in British Columbia. But after a while, he he felt that it was too harsh of an environment for him to to stay here. So he took the risk and traveled all the way back to India. Um, and didn't stay here in Canada. My parents then came in the 60s. So it's unbelievable when you reflect back on the early 1900s and where we are today as a country. It's just, it's completely the opposite. When you say the term Sikhs, can you explain that, what that means? Sure. So um, this, uh, the Sikh faith is, uh, is originated from Eastern Asia, uh, India and uh, Pakistan used to uh, be one country. Uh, before and so Guru Nanak in 1469 created the Sikh faith. At the time, there was a lot of turmoil between the Muslim and Hindu faith, and the Sikh faith was one of of peace and harmony um, and gender equality. And so, at the time, it was very revolutionary. All of the uh, the values and the ideas that were brought forth. And so, uh, practicing Sikhs, uh, the males wear wear turbans, and we keep our hair and. And we also are vegetarian and, uh, and we believe in like a, a oneness and an openness that, you know, that everybody, uh, is equal and that we're all on just different paths to the, to the same goal. And you feel like in Canada, that's a, a little bit more accepting nowadays? Oh, definitely. I mean, even when you look at politics, uh, a lot of, um, MPs, MLAs practicing, uh, the Sikh faith, they've been able to, to make it far and and even myself uh I, there was a time in television that people were told that you're you know you you can't even uh come on uh television with a beard and i've got my playoff beard going all the time so so uh for for people like myself and my colleagues now to be able to be a part of television in canada it's opening doors for people um, in the future for youngsters who want to try to get into media. I mean, when I was a kid in Brooks, a lot of people told me that my 
dream of being a part of Hockey Night in Canada was was unrealistic and that I, I needed to try to look focus on something else because the chances of it happening were slim to none. You went to Mount Royal University and you did communications, radio and TV. What made you choose that career? Did you, Was it always the case of wanting to be on Hockey Night in Canada? Yeah, it was uh, ever since I was like four years old. I was I was like I want to be Ron McLean, and uh, and I was calling the the games while, uh, that were on TV. I was running around the living room doing my own commentary, and my parents have got me a Radio Shack kids microphone stand and speaker, and I would host my own NHL awards shows. And you know, I wasn't put into ice hockey at a young age because we were. Yeah, an immigrant family and you know the the priorities are to settle and I was in a lot of other extracurricular activities on the music side and, and the cultural side and things so which I enjoyed too so I played a lot of ball hockey instead of ice hockey but I was just uh, as my dad who's a major academic with seven post-secondary degrees and a PhD he he was worried that I was making my mind into this encyclopedia. He's like, what are you going to do with it? And, uh, but my, my mom was always nurturing and saying, you know, go for your dream, go for it. It's going to, it's going to work out. So I had this dream, um, but I was in Brooks, Alberta, a small town. So I was like, okay, what do you do? Uh, and I got an opportunity in Brooks at the local radio station to cover sports and news for my high school. And then, and it was kind of like, that was uh, revolutionary for me because I was like, if I'm if I was given an opportunity here and it went well, then maybe I maybe someone down the road will give me an opportunity too. So I decided to go to Mount Royal for um, my broadcasting education, radio, TV, and uh, it turned into a, a TSN internship and a job, and then eventually with CBC as a reporter. Lo and behold, when CBC wanted to try something more diverse and multicultural i was i was already there working for them and everybody within the cbc who i knew they knew how obsessed i was with hockey so it ended up as uh, destiny would have it 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 ended up working out now just as a side note you mentioned ball hockey what kind of a ball hockey player are you are you a sniper a playmaker a grinder <laughs> i'm a i'm a forward usually a winger who likes to stick handle and you know i'm not i'm not as rough i'm one of those i guess smaller stature guys who who has a bit of skill um so you know i like uh, it's shooting as well but i love the deking out goalies and, and things like that so um i don't know how you how you want to describe that but it was it was fun playing ball hockey all those years and it was it was funny because we would be in Calgary on the weekends. My parents would bring my family down there so that we could participate in our faith and cultural events. And it was all the, the boys from the Sunday uh, service at the Sikh temple. We would all get together and play street hockey in, in Calgary on the weekend. So it's a totally, uh, it totally proves that like, you know, the game of hockey brings Canadians together. And that, you know, it, it, it is that universal force that it's a part of Canadian culture. Of course, every Canadian, the, the kind of the joke is about Canadians is we come out of the womb, born and ready with our skates on. Do, do, how good are you on skates? 
I'm not good at all backwards. I can skate forwards uh, pretty well, um, but I, I'm not that great at stopping either. So I've got to use either the boards or momentum, or, I, or more often than not, I stop the rollerblade way. <laughs> so skating is not a strong asset, uh, but uh, you know it, it's still fun to get out there. And I only played one year of organized uh, ice hockey. The rest of my uh, playing career was uh, was more ball hockey. No, see, that's uh, that's interesting because we have a lot of similarities. Like you have the communications and radio kind of TV background and the ball hockey yeah. background, which I'm key to as well. You mentioned, of course, about finding yourself at CBC. If you if you don't mind me asking, is can you take us through that whole process of getting your first kind of shot at CBC? Yeah, well, what happened was uh, that um, when when I was in school, I was able to land a, a fairly highly coveted uh, internship with TSN, where they chose only eight broadcasting students across Canada. So I. I was chosen as one of them. So from Calgary, from, from very quickly from small town Brooks to Calgary and school to my second year of university, I was, I moved to Toronto to work for TSN and it turned into a job and it was more on the production side of things. Uh, so I gained a lot of experience and, and life experience too, living on my own at, at a young age. Uh, but then I realized that uh, for what I was making and for the cost of living and being away from um, all my family and being the youngest in the family and stuff, it didn't it didn't make sense at that time to stick that out. And so after a year, I decided to head back to Calgary. And I I was fortunate enough to have my professors at uh, Mount Royal give me a, a recommendation to the CBC in Calgary. And uh, so from there, that relationship started out where I was a reporter with CBC in Calgary. And I was always trying to pitch as many hockey stories as I could. And I remember when Crosby came to town and things, I would I got to cover that. Or I also remember, um, you know, my first few times at the Saddledome in Calgary, where Jerome McGinley, you know, I was a very new and green to this whole process of covering sports and uh, first few times at the Saddledome Jerome McGinley went out of his way to make me feel comfortable I don't know if he felt that if I was uh, you know new to it or what but he went out of his way to shake my hand and say hello how, how are you doing and and welcome and stuff so that kind of stuff went a, a, a really long way um, and then within the CBC uh, because it was Calgary I would uh see Kelly Rudy and Cassie Campbell every so often and especially with Kelly Rudy I, I I would always jump up and go talk to him and things like that and and that rapport that we developed when CBC wanted to um, start this whole process then uh, having that relationship with Kelly Rudy really helped the guys from Toronto the executive producer Joel Darling once called the desk that I was at for a CBC reporter shift for local news and that's when he told me about the idea of doing this in Punjabi. I, I had no idea this was coming. Um, first of all, I was like, is this even real? But then really quickly, obviously, I agreed to it. And uh, we were able to call the first uh, time we were ever on the air. It was the Stanley Cup final between Detroit and Pittsburgh in 2008. So the first time they met 
when they met two years in a row. And that was when, so we, the first games ever that we called in Punjabi were straight to the Stanley Cup final, but it was a hit with the community and the media attention we got. And it was a great experience. And then afterwards it went home, uh, didn't know what to expect. And we got a call closer to the beginning of the regular season saying that they wanted to do this full time every Saturday night. And so that's uh, so that 2008 is when it uh, started, and here we are today, and things are uh, still going strong. Yeah, exactly. English and Punjabi are different languages. I know, like some some words can translate into English or French or French and Spanish, but uh, can you translate some hockey terms for me from English to Punjabi? Yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. I mean, we add some dramatic flair and some humor and masala, as, as you could say, some spices to it. So I really like so penalty box. We've created it as uh, I coined it as sajada dabba, which then when you translate it back into English, it means box of punishment. <laughs> so it's more, it's more fun. It's more dramatic, uh, and our feedback has been that people really. People really love that kind of stuff. And we have a slap shot, um, which we didn't have an exact translation of. So we, t- I, we took the slap to the face and made it chipaired shot. So w- when you think about it, it's, it's a fun term. Uh, we made a hybrid term like that, and people in the community just love that stuff. Sportsnet and CBC have been doing a great job at exposing you in the commercials for the network, uh, whether it's you know, showing you doing a community event or showing you doing something of highlighting a volunteer in that community. Do you think this helps people know more about you and the Hockey Night in Punjabi? Definitely. I think that's been tremendous. Um, and I really have to give credit to Chevrolet for seeing the value in doing that in terms of, uh, you know, just just helping not only our show, but helping show everyone that Canada is for everyone. Um, giving me that opportunity has been tremendous. I had uh, I had the opportunity to travel for the first time to the East Coast, to Nova Scotia. Didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I've heard a lot about how people are friendly there and stuff, but for myself, knowing that there wasn't a large Sikh community there, you, you don't really know what to expect. But what was amazing to see is that people there knew all about our show they and and having having done those uh commercial segments or those community or volunteer videos people were well aware of those because you know a lot of canadians are watching that playoff hockey and when those segments are airing at that time it's a lot of people are watching so it's it's been a really tremendous experience to be able to do that and it, it really has raised the raised the uh the ball in terms of awareness of who i am what we're doing what the show is and all of that and the last question here to finish it off is do you consider yourself an inspiration or role model for others in your shoes because i know they had uh, i'm guessing it was your wife on at one point on these cbc things and she mentions like when you go home to your community, you have a lot of the younger audience coming up to you and like saying, I can't believe you made it this far. Now it feels like I can do this as well. You know, I don't I don't uh, consider myself anybody special, but if I if I am able to 
um, open doors for others in the future, then, you know, I'm really happy to be able to do that. I, my, myself, not only myself, but my colleagues at Hockey Night Punjabi, when we are able to go out to community events or even talk to schools, uh, kids at school, students, um, that's when it's been a really rewarding experience to have people come up and say that, you know, what you guys have done is really inspiring and we want to do this when we're when we uh, graduate and, and and that sort of thing so it's it's uh, a lot of a lot of kids have told us like they never envisioned that the with the way they looked they would even have these sorts of opportunities and for us to be um, able to open these doors for them is is great and I, I just want to also say that my colleagues uh, Papinder and the harp and our producer Nathan they all do such a fabulous job um, the show where it's at right now, 10 years in is a night and day huge difference as to where it was when it began and it's through all of the team's efforts in in especially since uh our show moved on to rogers and omni the the production value the production quality uh the resources we have uh the team that we have everything has gone up um it's it's a top-notch program now we're we're able to provide highlights of other Canadian teams in our pre-game and post-game chats and, and, and provide just a more well-polished uh, program for our audience. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Hart Narayan Singh for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.